Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great edition of Talkin' Tigs. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined, as always, by my co-host, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Uh, no game this week. LSU had it off, but they still found a way to keep winning, uh, mostly in the form of postseason individual and coaching awards, which we can get to. Uh, but before we do that, just wanted to suggest to those of you that are still, for some reason, uh, not following us on Twitter, to please do so, at Talkin' Tigs. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as the Talkin' Tigs podcast. And guess what? You can also find us on iTunes and Spotify as well. Uh, so before we get into uh, this basically a bye week but filled with news, uh, I wanted to check in with the co-hosts and see how you guys are doing. Doing great. Just, you know, got that, high, obviously, the big Heisman win. Huge day for Louisiana, huge day for LSU. And, uh, you know, I'm so, so proud of our quarterback, Joe Burrow. And, uh, you know, I think that this, is, this, is the, this was the, the last milestone um, to, get, to get past, you know, before we really focus in on the playoff. And, it's, you know, it's time to take care of business. So we're just, uh, we're just ready for December 28th. I don't know about y'all. Yeah, exactly. Uh, feeling amazing. Joey brought the Heisman home. First time in a long time, over 60 years. Uh, I'm not sure if any of our listeners remember or were around last time that happened, if they remember Billy Cannon's uh, winning it. But uh, oh, yeah, pretty much generations of LSU fans have been waiting for this, and it's uh, finally happened after a long time. So it just feels amazing. Congratulations to Joe Burrow and the rest of the LSU Tigers. And like Joe said, he's ready to get back to work, but we can enjoy this moment for a little bit. Yes, we can. That's uh, pretty much all we'll have because uh, the game is still you know, about two weeks away. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's just get right on. Uh, you know, what's everyone's what's on everyone's minds? Uh, this this Heisman Trophy that's uh, hasn't been around for over sixty years, like you said, Daniel. And I don't know if um, I'm I'm pretty sure you guys were aware that this is actually our twentieth episode of Talking Tigs, and I'm just wondering. Uh, if you guys, if that has any meaning to you other than this being our number 20. Anyone? Well, Scott, I'm glad you asked. Oh, cool. Because, of course, as we all know, the, the legendary Billy Cannon's number was 20, so I think it's only appropriate that on our 20th episode we get to talk about a uh, Heisman Trophy winner in Joe Burrow you know, representing who who actually uh, if you watched any of the you know the the pre award show coverage and everything he he's become you know good friends with the Cannon family so it's pretty cool that um you know this piece that piece of LSU history is kind of getting together and um you know kind of being a part of each other's lives yeah exactly they um talked about it during the Heisman celebration or the the trophy presentation which I'm sure most if not all of our listeners watched, but about how the, the Cannon family sent them sent Joe Burrow that letter and kind of inspired him and just everybody is one team, one heartbeat and you could really tell the way after Joe accepted the award and thanked first of all his teammates and his coaches before he even thanked his own mom. Uh, so, yeah, then he shouted out the the O line first of all as keeping our boys safe. But yeah, it's just one big happy family and couldn't have a better guy to win it. Yeah, and uh, just uh, he just seemed so humble when he was up there because you know that's he he got a reputation I think starting with last season just you know being this this rough and tumble guy you can take a hit get up and he's more fired up 
Uh, but he seemed pretty humble during the ceremony. I mean, he was choking up when he was uh, thanking Coach O and just and, and everybody else. So it was it was cool to see that that side of him. I don't think any of us had seen that side of him because we've always seen him as this, uh, you know, just this the the leader of the team, the quarterback, and he's been strong in all the interviews. So uh, that that kind of shows you how much it definitely meant to him because uh, yeah, I think he just. He probably didn't expect that to happen. I don't know if anybody anybody did, uh, you know, LSU fans included. If you did, you, you just have ESP. But uh, I, I think we all expected LSU to do well, but not to this degree. Not to where they're an LSU quarterback. It's not just, you know, some LSU player. An LSU quarterback won the Heisman Trophy. So if, you, if someone and, told and you that three years ago, you know, I think we would have all laughed. And then, you know, started complaining about who our quarterback was at the time. But uh, that's no more. And, you know, it's, I think that's already having some effects with the recruiting, as we've talked about. There has been a bigger moment since Billy Cannon won the Heisman and they won the, uh, the national championship that same year. Yeah, not that I know of. I mean, obviously the national championships in 03 and 07 were huge for the program. Uh, but that kind of level of energy and vibe hasn't really been there the past little bit, at least in my opinion. Obviously, we had a great season in 2011 when we lost in the national championship, but mm-hmm. and we've had some amazing players over the years since then, but not one person who's truly kind of so dominant, and especially at the quarterback position. Like, we've had some, some good quarterbacks uh, in, in recent memory with Jamarcus Russell and Matt Flynn and uh, like Zach, Zach Mettenberger, but none of those guys were going to exactly take you to the promised land, I guess. And then Joe has done that so far and can't wait for the next step. And yeah, he deserves it. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I, he deserves it, but he also had a, a great supporting cast because not only did he win the Heisman, uh, you know, one of his best receivers, Jamar Chase won the Blitnikoff award for the best receiver in the country. Uh, but not only that, but Joe Burrow, Burrow also won the, uh, the Davey O'Brien award, which goes to pretty much the nation's best player. But uh, I, I think it started off this week with, with Joe Brady winning the, uh, the Art Burrell's assistant award, which, uh, yeah, the, Joe Burrow is his own thing, but I, I think the LSU's offense as a whole uh, owes all its credit to to Joe Brady, and that's that's why he won the assistant of the year. And I think that just kind of paved the way for everything that happened for them, uh, definitely offensively. Um, and then you know, uh, what's his name? What's the guy? Oh yeah, the ho- the head coach, <laughs> Ed Orgeron, won coach of the year. So there's there's that too because he kind of uh, orchestrated all of this. You know, he and Grant he, Delpit too. Grant Delpit, yeah. I was going to get to that. Uh, but, yeah, Grant okay. Delpit won the uh, the Jim Thorpe Award, the nation's best defensive back. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll throw it to you, Tommy. If you want to just pick one of these and, and run with it, we can we can hit them all in order. But uh, which which one do you want to talk about? I, I think I think you're right. To to uh, I'm sorry to cut you off. It had to throw in Grant Delpit, but I think you're yeah, right. I was getting there. Coach. I was getting there. <laughs> <laughs> it starts with Coach O, and it ends with Coach O. You know, he – because uh, he, he really is the coach of the year, and it's not. Uh, and I don't. I think it's not limited to you know just his his uh, schematic mind or his you know his actual coaching, but really 
you know, as a head coach at a, at a major program, you're you're as much a CEO of the program as you are a uh, you know a coach. And him being able, and, and as as we all know, you know, from multiple coaches in the SEC and around college football, ego is a huge deal with with a lot of these coaches. And Coach O had the uh, the wherewithal and the self awareness to know that you know what we need to make a change, and I need to learn. And I need to get people who know who know this better than me, and that's where you see the hiring of, of uh, Joe Brady, and the uh, you know the transfer of, of kind of and, and the trust put in him, this you know guy who's like under thirty, uh, to say yeah like you know what, offense isn't my thing, but I believe in you, so take take the keys to this Ferrari. I think uh, Joe Burrow said you know thanks to Coach O for giving me the keys. To this uh, to this program, and you know, he gave he gave the keys to Joe Burrow, a, a, a transfer who was kind of you know unproven. We'd never really seen him on a on a field. It's not like if you know potentially the rumors say that you know Derek King or Derek King might um, come over here from Houston. You know, we've seen him play, and he's been a Heisman hopeful, and he's you know proven himself. You know, no one had really seen Joe Burrow play in a real college football game when he came to LSU, and he and and. Coach O, you know, gave him the keys, and he gave uh, Brady, Joe Brady the keys and said, you know what, like, do what you all do best. And I think you've got to give him credit for that. you also got to give him credit for his recruiting, as, as we've talked about you know, over and over on this podcast. He's relentless. He's, you know, after winning uh, the SEC and winning the Heisman Trophy, he, the, he, you know, he takes no breaks. He's in, the, he's in uh, people's houses already, you know, in there um, talking, to, talking to new recruits about coming to LSU. And really, just also, you know, he means he means so much to this state. He's a perfect representative of of our state and of everything that LSU, you know, should strive to to stand for. You know, he's he's a family guy. He cares about. He treats his players like a family, and he puts that you know the state, the school, the institution, and the program, you know, pretty much above himself as far as his own glory. You know, I think I feel like everything he does. Is, is really, you know, not to get his own name out there, but to, to you know, be, do what's best for the program. Yeah. yeah, you pretty much hit the nail on the head on that whole thing about how O has kind of flipped this program around. It's so strange to think that before he came here, if you had mentioned Ed Orgeron not even being the national coach of the year, but just being a decent coach at a major program, he would have pretty much been ridiculed. Now, it's nothing against Coach O, but he had a, a few tough times before then. And to kind of lead this charge back to national relevance uh, is just really crazy to see, especially when our program was after the Les Miles era. It was like, well, like, what do we do from here? And then they, they put the faith in Coach O, the native son, and the, the first step was kind of hard to take. But then after that, things just snowballed into just – a great program, and he, like you said, he just managed that the whole way. Uh, I wanted to, to mention about the assistant coaches. Yeah, like uh, Joe Brady uh, getting the National Assistant Coach of the Year is like an offensive analyst, and that's not exactly the, the prime position. Usually, be an OC or a defensive coordinator, and so that's just uh, a recognition of how much he's really made a change in this offense that's so apparent in every uh, game they play. And then. Also, I'm not going to name any names at the expense of uh, who's listening, but I had a, a source close to the LSU Board of Regents who told me on last Wednesday that the flight and the trip had been paid to New York City to go to the Heisman Ceremony and all the awards for all the LSU coaches and assistants. 
and that all were planning on attending except for one, defensive coordinator Dave Aranda. So not to go too deep in the conspiracy there, we uh, I don't know if y'all want to talk about the Dave Aranda stuff that happened last week, but uh, just a, a little tidbit. Yeah, you know, right. they've, been, they've been floating around these rumors, and, you know, they for a while, or not a while, but for a couple hours, it was almost seen like the seemed like the deal was done for him to go to uh, UNLV or whatever, but um, you know, it turns out he's not. So I guess you know potentially he's being shopped around for more head coaching jobs, or you know maybe he felt like he had some some work to do back home for you know preparing for this uh, Oklahoma defense. I hope it's the latter, but um, definitely interesting. It's something to watch. You know maybe maybe we'll be in the market for another defensive coordinator. I hope not. Yeah, hopefully not, but uh, you, you never know. And I think LSU fans, out of anybody, knows that uh, you know you can't expect too much. I, don't, I mean, I, don't, I can't imagine O is going anywhere because this is his dream job. But you know, somebody like Aranda, I, you know, I thought about this when I when I heard these rumors because I think we had talked about this maybe before. At least we, you know, kind of just floated the idea that you know they would keep Aranda on at any cost possible because they didn't want to lose him. He's a good coach, but also. You know, this was, what, two years ago when we didn't know for sure if Coach O was the best guy for the job. And, you know, that probably might have, you know, seemed uh, kind of played into Dave Veranda's hands. He's like, well, yeah, if he's not, then, you know, maybe I would be a, a prime candidate. I think a lot of people thought that same thing. But uh, as it turns out, uh, O is a pretty good coach, and he's done just fine for himself. And so now it looks like, uh, you know, that Aranda would not get that opportunity here, at least not in the foreseeable future. So I, I think maybe if anything changed for him, that might have been it. But I don't know. I guess I guess it's kind of wait and see because we don't know. Yeah, it's like I, I don't really blame him for looking to take that step because just because everybody wants to, to be the boss and run the show at some place, um, even if it's not as – bigger program, like obviously UNLV is a huge step down from LSU, but then that gives him the, the platform to maybe turn that program around, and if they do well, then he can move back up into a head coaching position at a bigger school and kind of take those steps. Um, but, yeah, obviously he would have to take a huge pay cut being the highest paid assistant coach in college football, even though the head coaching position at a school like UNLV or Colorado State is another one that people have talked about as a potential destination. Uh, that's that's not going to give him the cash that he's making right now. I don't know how much of a factor that may or may not be playing into this, but uh, I mean, I think that our defense will be fine uh, either way, but obviously I would like to keep him around if possible. Uh, definitely. Tommy, you got any... Uh... You got yeah, I mean, I, I think that I I wouldn't be surprised, um, but I really hope that this is, and I wish that this was a thing that would be that could be dealt with at after the playoff. You know, I I would hate the idea of of either knowing that a deal is done, you know, going into the Oklahoma game or going into potentially the national championship game. Um, because I just think that kind of sours sours it for the players and sours it for the program in general. So, you know, if you're going to go on your own way, then I understand. But I wish that they would keep this under wraps and, and wait until the, uh, the playoff is done. Um, of course, you know, it's harder than it looks to keep things secret in these, in these kind of deals. But um, other than that, you know, I, I, would, I, don't, I don't think that a head coaching job at a – 
very like low end school is necessarily. I don't think that's an upgrade. You know, I, I would I would almost think that he would, especially when you got you know people who are coordinators going to relatively big programs. Um, I mean, you think so, of like Bo Pelini at LSU went from defensive coordinator to head coach at Nebraska. Obviously, that didn't work out too well in the long run, but that's a big program that he made the step to. So it's kind of just opportunity. Sorry or, to um, jump in there. I, 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 what's his name? The Florida coach. He was at he was a, the OC at Florida and then goes to Mississippi State. Dan Mullen. Mullen. Dan Mullen. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, I would think that he would be, you know, if I, if I was him, I would, I, and I'm eyeing a, a head coaching job, you know, you don't really want to go. Or at least I feel like you don't really want to go to a program that's gonna, uh, that you know, you got a, no chance at really being able to do anything with. Um, I feel like you'd want to go to something that at least has some, you know, some good foundation. Uh, and I don't know if UNLV or Colorado State are really that program, but. Um, of course, he's not going to UNLV at least as of as of today. Uh, right. But I think it's unfortunate if it were to uh, to happen, you know, while while we're trying to you know compete for a championship. I agree because I remember what happened uh, with John Chavis, and I think LSU was in the I forget what it was. I think the Music City Bowl against Notre Dame or something like that. And John Chavis, unbeknownst to all of us, uh, had sign or was going to sign with Texas A&M and it was just really weird because he seemed kind of distant and instead of getting on the team plane he got on A&M's plane right after the bowl game so you kind of know that you know they'd already decided something and you know that that just kind of I don't know I think it's a it's a disservice to the players because at that point you know you're pretty much committed it's not like uh, you know mid-season or excuse me like uh, the middle of the the off-season where you know, people have time time to change things, or at least uh, formulate a game plan or something. But he, he you could tell he kind of just checked out, and so I, I can't imagine Aranda would do that. Not just a for a bowl game before the end of the season, but you know they're playing for a title. So yeah. you would think he would want to finish that off, and wherever he ends up, if he were to leave, he would say, "Hey, I coached the national championship game. I have that experience now." Instead of just moving on to Nevada, or excuse me, UNLV, and just starting from absolute scratch while his team plays for a title. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I can't. I can't. I can't see him. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I would. I think it would be unprecedented if he left before, or yeah, you know, before potentially a title game. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's not like he's taken over USC or yeah. Ohio State or something. You know, it's no disrespect to UNLV, but. Uh, like they can wait two weeks, <laughs> you know. Exactly. They can wait. Now, but, um, but what I what I would be worried is like you know is he is he kind of looking ahead a little bit you know is his mind is he really in it um, when he's you know making these decisions for preparing for preparing for a championship because um, it's not really his job on the line either way once once you've already inked another deal although this right. is all speculation though. True. But, I mean, there were reports that said they were in talks. It, we don't know how yeah. serious they were, but, uh, you know, the, the sources say. Uh, but anyway, that's, you know, I guess we can see how that plays out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but I did want to circle back around to uh, these awards. Uh, first off, just to talk briefly about uh, Joe Burrow, um, he won in a landslide. I knew he's the first LSU player to do it in 60 years, but he... He also received a record 
90.7% of the first place votes. And I think he also set a record for just total points available with uh, like 90, 93.8%, uh, which coincidentally broke the old mark uh, of set by uh, Troy Smith of Ohio State, who was also a quarterback, but that was back in 2006. And uh, he also was on 95.5% of all ballots, breaking Marcus Mariota's record back in 2014. Uh, so, you know, again, it's, it's not that um, it, it kind of goes along with the season. It's kind of some, some parallels here. It's not that, you know, LSU's offense was greatly improved and it won the some games that they would have lost years ago. They, you know, they overachieved and set records. Kind of, kind of the same here with Joe Burrow. And I don't know. Uh, I, I can't imagine, you know, anyone were seeing this exact thing. Uh, but uh, here it is, and we can relish in it for for a couple weeks until they play again. But I don't know. I was curious. Um, I had some questions about some of the individual awards won, but I guess I'll start with the Heisman and. I, I think I have a pretty unpopular opinion. Just wanted to see what you guys thought about it. Uh-oh. I, I just I don't understand why, at this point in the season, that Chase Young was still considered a Heisman candidate. Uh, mostly because, you know, of his, the two games he had to sit out and the two games after. I know what he did before then, uh, in the, the games up until his suspension. He was pretty much dominant. You know, nobody could really block him. He had 15 and a half sacks up until that point, set a program record. Uh, so, you know, that the that part of the season speaks for itself. But just for the last few games, because I remember, you know, Leonard Fournette had kind of a drop-off, and I don't even think he even went to New York uh, mm-hmm. because of his last four games. So um, I didn't know if anyone still thought of Chase Young as possibly winning it over Joe Burrow at that point, but... Um, I don't know. That that was my unpopular take. That uh, I I just I was kind of surprised that he was still there based on those last four games. What uh, what do you guys say? Um, I think that I think that it was a, you know, it was a, it's a TV show, and <laughs> from okay. everything that we've seen, you know, there was there is really no competition, and that that was shown in the ballots. You know, who the ninety ninety something percent of people who voted for for Joe, mm-hmm. and you know, it kind of it does kind of add to the to the allure just to have a defensive guy up there. And if you know sure. that Burrow's going to win, I think most people did. Um, though I did get nervous, I got very nervous. But you know, deep down, I think we all knew he was going to win. Then it's really, it really doesn't make much difference who's they were standing with him. So you know, give a nice tip of the hat to uh, to a defensive player. People like to see defensive players as finalists. Sure. Yeah, it's always kind of interesting. One thing to mention is that Joe's stiffest competition for the Heisman, in my opinion, wasn't even there at the ceremony. Uh, that's two attack of Iloa. And because it seems so distant now, but for the first, whatever, nine games of the season, eight or nine games, Joe and Sue were really like neck and neck for kind of the Heisman favorite, like both star quarterbacks. And then it wasn't until um, Tua got hurt that he was really kind of out of the running. And it's sad to say, like, you see some of these hopes kind of get wiped out like that. Uh, you'd rather it be a kind of an on-the-field thing. But, yeah, so if there's anybody who was going to beat him for it, it would have been Tua had that kind of twist of fate not happened. And somebody out there, some voter, even actually voted Tua, uh, gave one first-place ballot for him. So I don't know whether that's a, 
That might have been Harvey Updike voting, but um, I think it was Feinbaum. Yeah, two actually finished. Yeah, he actually finished tenth in the voting. Trevor Lawrence got three first place votes, which I don't really know where that came from. But uh, yeah, so I kind of wish I could have got to see them LSU like take down Alabama on the biggest stage. Like our quarterback is better now, um, but. I'm happy with the way it worked out, and there was really no competition in the end. Well, Daniel, you know, you say that, but but LSU did take down an Alabama quarterback in Jalen Hurts. So That's true. Kind of did happen in a roundabout way. Um, so, okay, that was my uh, that was my one wild card question. I, I did have to to go back to the Jim Thorpe Award though. Uh, I wanted to ask you, was I the only one surprised that Grant Delpit won it this year? Because a lot of people were saying, you know, he wasn't even the best uh, DB on his team uh, and that Derek Stingley probably could have been more deserving. Uh, but I'll throw it to you. I don't know. Let's start with you, Daniel. What do, what do you think? Was uh, Do you think Grant Delpit was the uh, head, heads above winner of the, uh, the Jim Thorpe Award based on this season? Yeah, that was actually a pretty big surprise to me, to be honest. Uh, this is Tommy's take, which she's always saw. You can elaborate on it. I'm going to steal it from him a little bit. But it's kind of a cumulative award. So Grant Delpit obviously did not win it last year when he actually kind of did look the part of the best DB in America. Um, and while he played pretty well this year, I think everybody is in general agreement that his play dropped off some and that LSU's defense as a whole was a little bit exposed more. Some people might even say that he wasn't even the best safety on his own team uh, when Jacoby Stevens really had a big step up this year. Uh, but maybe the, account, the, the voters were like, well, this guy, he deserved it last year, and there wasn't a super strong candidate opposite him, so might as well. I was honestly thinking that Jeff Okuda from Ohio State was going to win it because uh, obviously they had two Heisman finalists that did not win, so I was thinking maybe they'll kind of give this one to him as a little bit of a, a consolation prize, like y'all can win something. So LSU doesn't hit the clean sweep, but... Uh, I guess I'm happy it worked out for us. Uh, do you have anything more to explain on that, Tommy? Yeah, I mean, it's just you're right. It's a, it's, it is kind of, um, it, it's not the, you know, the the DB awards. It's not the flashiest award, and it's not the, uh, the, every every writer knows Joe Burrow and has seen him play. But being able to grade and look at a DB and say who's really better than who is kind of difficult for the for the layman, and as we've seen with uh, some of the way that these that these writers have voted in Heisman, voting for Tua, who's injured, or Trevor Lawrence, who's you know doing his own thing, um, they're not the most uh, uh, we'll say you know edu- or not educated, but not not the most football you know IQ high football IQ people. So I think that what helped Grant uh, win that award was his excellent play last year, his uh, you know dominant kind of view as being the best DB in the country preseason. And then really, you know, he has had a little bit of a down year, but his, his past, like, two or three games have been great. That's and true. And the, um, you know, the, the, uh, the ta- that, that big sack on Jake Fromm, um, some key tackles in the A&M game, the interception in the A&M game, uh, you know, all that, I feel like all that came together kind of at the right time, um, so that way, you know, they call it the, or what is it, the, 
you know, last seen bias or whatever, the last couple games where you, that's what's fresh on their mind. I think all of that kind of came together. And that brand, and, and, and you know, probably of him being number seven. You know, people are just, just think, oh, he's number seven at LSU. Number seven's always the big playmaker. So um, I've, I kind of feel like, you know, all that probably came together um, to, uh, you know, help propel him to, to win that win that Thorpe Award. And I'm, I'm happy for him. You know, he, he is, I think he probably is the best DB in the country. You know, even if his play on the field this year hasn't really reflected it, he'll he'll be a top a top pick in the NFL, and he'll be a great a great safety in the NFL. So, you know, good for him. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, that's uh, yeah, like you said, it was it was almost a clean sweep. Uh, I don't I don't think Clyde Edwards Hilaire was going to be seen, uh, you know, in the in the Doug Walker eyes. But um, uh, yeah, I think that was the only thing that else you probably did not win. Uh, but did, how did you feel about that award? Did you feel it was uh, it should have gone to... Yeah, I don't think you can take it away from any other, anybody other than Jonathan Taylor. I mean, he's playing for Wisconsin. Uh, they, they faced some pretty good competition, but he just dominated from... He had three 2,000-yard seasons, uh, so he, he didn't win the, the award the past two years. So this one, I mean, obviously he had an amazing season again this year. But just the, the cumulative body of work um, in terms of yards, touchdowns, and just dominance hasn't really been seen in the running back. Uh, I think people have compared his stats to, like, Herschel Walker. And, like, well, there's only a couple other people who have had, like, three 2,000-yard seasons. Um, so I, I think he deserved that. As good as Clyde has been, um, obviously he was a stud for our team in so many ways. But, yeah, Jonathan Taylor deserved that one. Uh, what, what do you say, Tommy? Uh, I think I think Taylor's the Taylor's the guy. Um, J.K. Dobbins is great. I think that it also it helps him. It helps uh, J., uh, Taylor that, that that he is their offense. You know, so you know you, on on Ohio State's team you've got great receivers Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins. So um, you know you might maybe maybe J.K. Dobbins does put up those numbers if he's if he's in if he switch the two and he's in Wisconsin's offense. Um, but yeah, I think I think Jonathan Taylor's been the most dominant back in uh, in college football. Yeah, it reminds me just a little bit of like some high school offenses where there's one player that's just so like head and shoulders better than the rest of the team to where that's just who they lean on every single play almost. And Wisconsin did that. Their, their playbook is pretty much Taylor left and Taylor right. Um, just run the ball, and then if the other team can't stop them, then they can't stop them, and so that's it. So. It is what it is. At least that that kind of be, used to be our game plan too. We'd have like Fournette left and Fournette right, or Darius Geis or whoever. Um, thankfully, it's not that way anymore, though. Yep. Now it's just Joe left and Joe right. <laughs> True. Yeah. Um, Tommy, you had mentioned before the podcast about just like best Joe memories from the Heisman campaign. I don't know. Did you all have kind of like one like biggest Joe play that stood out to y'all over the course of this season? Or I guess it could be last season too, but this one primarily. Hmm. Uh, I have, I think I have a turning point moment, but then I have a, a favorite moment. I got one. If you want to think for a second, I'll, I'll talk about it. Um, it. So this one, I mean, obviously it was huge at the time, but it's kind of faded away. But I think this is still my favorite play of the year is that uh, third and 17 against Texas at the very beginning of the year, LSU was up um, kind of driving, but Texas is still hanging in there. And then it was a lot like the, the play against Georgia where he kind of scrambles away. He rolls to his left in the pocket, off balance on his left foot, 
fires a dart to Justin Jefferson dashing across the field. He snags it, shakes one tackler, and then sprints down the sideline all the way for a touchdown to really just lock the game up. And the camera immediately flashes to the sideline of Matthew McConaughey just looking depressed because he knows the Texas season is over already in week two. But LSU season and the National Championship hopes are alive and well. And that was just so amazing to me because, like, before the, the year, we knew, like, we were going to be pretty good at least not necessarily a national championship contender. And then we dispatch with Georgia Southern. We look good. It's like, all right, that's fine. But then Texas, obviously they've faded a little bit since then, but they were a Titan at that point. And then just to put that stamp on them and say, like, all right, Texas, you're not the ones that are back. It's LSU that's back. And then that really set the tone for the rest of the year. And Joe, he really was that guy. And that was his, like, big kind of on the national stage, just announcing himself to the country. And while that play may not – have decided some other huge games like uh, Alabama or Auburn or whatever, that one just to me kind of set the tone for the rest of the season and established him as really that guy. Right. Okay. Um, well, since you included last year also, uh, I'm going to go back to last year's bowl game, uh, that moment where Joe Burrow just got leveled by – uh, some some lineman. Uh, it was a defensive lineman uh, uh, against UCF. Like right after, I think it was a pick six, and you know just seeing him on the ground hurting, and seeing some guy come over and you know talk smack to him as he's on pretty much all fours. Uh, you know it was kind of a kind of a jarring moment, and he thought, well, uh, you know, he's either going to bounce back from this, or we're going to see what Brennan's got. Uh, and he bounced back in a big way, and he hasn't stopped since. Uh, I know the offensive uh, schemes changed once Joe Brady got here, but uh, you know a lot of players point to that moment uh, as as a time where they they you know they saw Joe Burrow just kind of rise up, and they just got behind him and followed him. Uh, but as far as this year, uh, I don't know. I, I think um, in addition to one of those rollout touchdowns that he threw, uh, probably, you know, the the one in the SEC championship game to, uh, I think it was, I don't know, 70 yards. I think it was, I don't know if it was Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, one of the two. Uh, but I think one of my favorites was when they were playing Auburn and uh, Joe, the play broke down and he rolled to the sideline and a guy hit him, on, you know, pretty much out of bounds and then the next play or two, uh, pretty much the same thing happened. But this time, Joe stopped short. The guy, and he did a spin move, and the guy went flying by, and then Joe picked up the first down, and, uh, you know, they went down and scored. And I just thought, wow, man, this guy, like, there's a different level to his game here. Now he's kind of, uh, he's a great runner. He's shifty. He's not just uh, avoiding a sack. He can get a first down, and he can do it with his legs and with some moves. So that's uh, that's kind of a moment where I saw something different, and I loved it. Uh, so, yeah, on, on to you, Tommy. What you got? I think that my – I mean, there's so many great great moments, and, I, you know, I agree. I think I think third and 17 against Texas was really a, a kind of a turning point, kind of a, a gut check that sh- showed us that, um, you know, this team, this team was here to play, and this team was – this play calling was not the same that we've seen where it's, you know what, let's punt, let's – milk the clock and like try to play not to lose you know he went out jugular joe went out there and uh you know he slit their throat with that with that throw and uh credit to um top billing for that he, he always calls him jugular joe follow so follow <laughs> top billing on uh 
on YouTube. He does good uh, football breakdowns. Anyways, but I think that I mean one of my favorite plays, maybe my favorite play ever, just because of the memes, um, was that from the Georgia game last year when Burrow uh, runs, you know, runs out the pocket breaks down or whatever. He runs off and uh, gets picks up a, a first down pretty much to ice the game. And he looks back, and people took the freeze frame of him looking back, and he had, like, a funny face, funny you know, look on his face. So that was a great moment. Um, but I think also, you know, when I, when I think about this season, really, like, the plays that cemented the Heisman, I think about Daniel, your, your play, 17. Um, I think about that first touchdown against Alabama where he throws that deep, you know, jump up and get it ball to uh, Jamar Chase. You know, that's, I think that is, is a, real, um, a real important play for, for LSU in general and for him because, uh, you know, we've we, we never been able to do that to Alabama. If, you know, if, we'd, if we drove down the field, you know, shoved it down their throat with Clyde and, you know, in the first touchdown against Alabama uh, had been a dive left to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for seven yards or for four yards – that's like that's typical LSU. Be like, okay, we're good. But to go out there and and throw a deep bomb to to uh, you know to start off the game, I think that was an important um, an important play for his Heisman performance, and and also just an important play for LSU to to show that you know this is again this is not the same team that that you've seen in the past years. Um, and then I think that also. So you can't you can't talk about the Heisman even though it was pretty much already sh- shored up and you know he he basically won it but a little bit off the top a little land yap you can't talk about it without uh, that double you know double rollout bomb to Justin Jefferson in the Georgia game uh, yeah really really gr- great play and, and that's I think that's the one uh, that I think that's the one they'll show when they show the the highlight reel of you know Heisman winners. I think that's the one you'll see on the LSU commercial next year. I think that's the one you'll see uh, on the Heisman, the, you know, the Heisman commercials. You know, who's going to win that next year? Um, even though, like I said, even though it was pretty much already won at that point. Yeah, um, another one to me, which uh, may not be as memorable because it wasn't a scoring play, but it was against Alabama. I think in the second quarter, and we were up by a little bit, and then Joe threw an out route to Thaddeus Moss, literally like on the one-inch yard line. And Thaddeus Moss reaches all the way out, taps his toes in. The, the ball is just spot perfect. Moss reels it in uh, with the defender all over him. And it was a great play by both players. But just, just for Joe to put that in the spot where only his receiver can get it, and that would set up a touchdown to really extend the lead and uh, cement our spot against Alabama. So that was another uh, great one. I actually watched that again. And uh, this one, it may not be uh, the Heisman moment, but maybe the funniest moment of the season, at least in my opinion, when Joe uh, got his, his pants dropped a little bit and the, the sack rollout against Mississippi State, and that one just uh, pulled up so many memes. And that, I think a lot of people really rallied around him at that point just because of how kind of lighthearted about it he was and showed that he could just be having fun out there even when uh, he literally got pantsed on the field. But uh, <laughs> so Joe really was that guy. Yeah. I mean, what can you say when a, when a Heisman Trophy winner gets caught with his pants down? Normally, <laughs> you would think that would cost him the Heisman. I think that actually won him the Heisman. Um, so, you know, what can you say? Build the statue. It's going out. Billy Cannon's going to have a friend now standing there in bronze in front of Tiger Stadium. And uh, you know what? Watch out because uh, I, I think I might have to, I'm going to have to say sorry to um, Marcel Brooks, but I think he'll have to change numbers in the in the coming future because. 
I don't know if many players are going to be wearing nine after this season. Yeah, definitely not on offense. Um, so you, you mentioned the statue, uh, and it's, I, I realize it might be a repeat question, kind of what we just asked, but what, which pose do you think this statue would hold? I, know, I don't think it's going to be the one where he's getting his pants pulled down. Sorry, Daniel. Um, that would be funny. It looked like a copper tone ad, but uh, I don't think it's going to be that pose. Which, which pose do you think it might be? I think it's hopefully the one uh, after the game against Texas A&M where he's holding up the, the L's in his hands. I mean, it's not really exactly a football pose, but right. just what what he's it meant. Waving. Like, uh, I think the waving would be good. Yeah, he, he was just making the L's with both his hands, just kind of signaling that he is uh, one of our own, just as much of a Louisianian as all of us, and is given just so much entertainment and, and hope to uh, people from around here. So I think that's a pretty iconic shot. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, there's so many great ones of him passing, which would work just as well, though. Right. I think I think, and people on Twitter have said, you know, that they uh, one that they they want is the is of him like pointing with his with his thumbs down to the burrow to on the, the jersey. Back of the jersey. Yeah. I think that would be kind of cool, but you wouldn't really be able to see that one as much. Like you'd have to go really look at it, and the focal point would almost be the back of him, so that wouldn't, I don't know if that would really work in a statue. It would be kind of a cool idea, though. Um, but I think, I think the best one would be, and, and really, you can take your pick, because pretty much he had this, you know, this is every game with Joe Burrow, but something of him rolling out, you know, when he's looking down the field and kind of, and kind of moving, like, to the right, um, looking downfield to, to make, like, a, one of those, you know, kind of Burrow-patented deep passes um, off the rollout. So I think that'd be a good a good pose, um, or maybe him running with the ball. But I, I almost feel like you'd want because Billy Cannon's you know clearly running with the ball on his statue. You probably want him passing to kind of mix it up a little bit. Yeah, I would uh, I would also say that the uh, the one where he's pointing at his jersey with his thumbs, or but he's or he's holding the L's above him. I think that might be a, a pretty good iconic uh, image to just have represent him for forever. But yeah, other than that, I'd say uh, him rolling, throwing on his foot, uh, kind of leaning one way would be be another good capture. Uh, what what about the one uh, after the Texas game where he's just waving goodbye to the Texas fans? Yeah, that's what I want. It'd be great if they had an animatronic hand that could just wave. Could Disney to do it. Yeah, and, and he just constantly waves. Yeah, he could, could be solar powered. You know, it'd be great. That would be awesome. I don't think they would let that happen. But, um, yeah. So, uh, now that we've kind of covered all that, I mean, the the only other thing that pretty much happened this week was, you know, some some slight recruiting news. Uh, and I don't know. LSU kind of had a major burn there. Uh, I'm trying to think of this player's name. But, um, yeah, I know, right? Uh, so, no, they, they had a, a, a decommittal which, I don't know, kind of seems like it's kind of a, a regular thing now. Uh, I, I don't know. They, they say we shouldn't worry because that just means the, the guys that they are getting to sign are, are better, and they're telling them that. But I don't know. Um, LSU lost a commit for Major Burns uh, this week, and I don't know. It seems like every week there's been one of these. So is this, is this uh, anything to worry about, or is, this, uh, you know, is it just pretty much a numbers game? Uh, what do you guys say? Uh, in my opinion, when we first started dropping a few people, the general consensus was like, 
all right, this is five. We're making room for five stars, so we'll be good. We just didn't have the spots. But now at this point, we haven't had any commitments. Well, we actually did have one commitment. It was a three-star lineman who snapped up the spot as soon as it opened. Um, but like, is, this, is the process working like it's supposed to? I'm not quite sure, which makes me a little bit worried, as well as there's also pretty big rumors that uh, Georgia is making a large push to try and flip wide receiver Jermaine Burton, which would be a really big loss for us if he didn't end up uh, dropping out and going to the dogs. But especially since, yeah, we haven't really had too much momentum for Zach Evans or Jordan Birch, um, although we may still be getting uh, Marcus Dumerville and Philip Webb. Uh, you can check those guys out, which they're both really good players. But So, yeah, I'm a little bit concerned. Um, not so We're not code red. we still got a great class, but it's just a little strange in the end. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I heard that um, that Burns actually decommitted because of academic issues where, like, I guess he wasn't going to be able to get in to LSU or, or there was going to be some sort of issue with that. So, um, you know, it might be – if it's that, then it's not – I don't really see – him decommitting as as really an issue of our of our class or of um you know confidence in LSU's program because if if it's if it's just that he doesn't have the grades right now then that's not really um, a reflection of us right right but I do agree you know I, I get a, I do get a little bit worried when I keep seeing all these people decommit um, of course we'll get a few we'll get a few more um, we'll definitely have more insight as we get to early signing period and and see who's you know who's Who's in? Who's out? Um, and then, you know, then that'll be a big push for the uh, the final final commits to fill our class up. But I don't think there's any doubt that we'll finish uh, this recruiting period with uh, with one of the best classes in the country. And you know, if Justin Jefferson and some of our other players are any indication, you know, a three star or a two star um, can end up being one of the best best players in the country. So. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, they still the have a, yeah, you know, they still have a, a, you know, a title to play for. Uh, so you know, I imagine if LSU won, uh, that you know, that can help in recruiting. I hear. So we, I guess we could see see how that plays out. Um, I don't want to see if you guys had any other uh, any other thoughts or, or topics that you wanted to cover. Uh, I don't really have too much. I think we we hit them all. The one thing we didn't really mention. Uh, you said that Jamar Chase won the Blitnikoff, but just shout out to him. He was locking it down on the outside for Joe all year, just hauling in touchdown after touchdown and really giving another spark for the explosive offense. Him and Justin Jefferson really were the duo there. wish we could give it to both of them, to be honest, but Jamar Chase really kind of stood out. And he played all right last year, but just took a huge step up, so that's great. Plus, he'll be back for next year, so I can't wait for even more fireworks, but I think that's all. Yeah. Tommy, you yeah, got any, I'd just uh, any... say that uh, that I, I think that Joe Burrow's speech, where he he talked about Coach O and talked about how uh, how instrumental Coach O was in you know supporting him and getting him to LSU and and making him you know part of that team, part of that program, and part of you know Louisiana culture, um, is really great for for LSU and for the program and for recruiting because people you know kids from out of state will see that and be like you know. I, I moved to I moved to Louisiana. You know, Coach O's like a surrogate dad for me. You know, if I I won't have to worry about fitting in and everything because they're going to fold me right into the right into the into the team and uh, make me feel like one of you know like one of the boys in Louisiana. So I think that's really a great image. And to see Joe Burrow get so um, choked up talking about Coach O and see Coach O get so ch- choked up hearing him 
you know, that was a, uh, I think that was a great moment, and I think that's something that a lot of uh, parents and a lot of future players will, uh, will remember when, when they're making their decisions. Yeah, and um, that's actually a nice point. Uh, I was, I was going to make a, try and find a segue into what I want my last thought to be, but it kind of plays into it, because, uh, you know, like you said, uh, guys from other states will see that, you know, most of all parents, too, that A, um, you know, I'm going to send my son to a good program, a good school, but also a good environment with good coaching. You know, it's the, you're, you're pretty much l- trusting some strange guy. He's well known around the country, makes a lot of money, but, you know, you're pretty much trusting this guy with your kid, uh, hoping he's going to make the better man of him. And that's, you know, that's pretty much what this shows is guys can trust Coach O. Uh, you know, go, that goes beyond their, their gut feeling when they meet him. Because I hear he's just great in a room, and he can, uh, you know, he can hook pretty much anybody. But to see it from one of his, his other players and at that level, while he's accepting a Heisman Trophy, uh, I mean, you just, you just can't get better than that. And uh, which, which kind of dovetails into what I was going to say is um, uh, one of the, the divisions of the Georgia State Championship uh, for high school, I think it was Quad A, here in Georgia, uh, they actually played right down the road here, and it was uh, Max Johnson, who's uh, who's an LSU commit. I, f- I forget the year. Uh, if you if you know it, Daniel, toss it out. But he, uh, he's uh, they 2020 were playing... class. He's in this year's class. Okay, there you go. Thank you. He was a uh, 2020 class, and he was playing right down the road here, and he had uh, two very very nice touchdown passes. They didn't win the game, uh, but that's because. Uh, you know, Blessed Trinity just uh, they had a they had a really good running back. Uh, Oconee County didn't, but they had a good quarterback who's going to be headed to LSU, and uh, I think he looked good in a in a playoff game. So, Tigers fans have that because you know at some point after this year we're gonna have we're gonna be looking to find our our next Joe Burrow. So, who knows? Maybe it's going to be this lefty out of Georgia. And with that, uh, that'll do it for us for this week on Talking Tigs. Tune in next week. Uh, there won't be any more award ceremonies, I don't think, but there might be some more news that we could catch you up on uh, and you know, just some more, uh, some more game prep before that playoff game on the 28th against Oklahoma. So stay tuned and follow us, and we'll talk to you next time on the Talking Tigs. <laughs>